if you're new here, to bring you up to speed over the last few weeks. A couple of weeks ago, we sat up here and six of us as shepherds shared our hearts for what this next season, we believe, is to look like as a body. And we discussed intimacy with the Lord in 2023 and all the different facets and ways to go deeper with the Lord. And we finished with an invitation to set apart an hour per week of dedicated prayer to him, to tarry one hour, and to set apart a day each week to fast and seek his face and to know him. Well, then last week I picked up on that and kind of did part one or part two in, in going deeper with the Lord in intimacy. And we talked, if you remember last week in John 15, about living and abiding in his love. And how we do that is by obeying his commandments. And then we went to Jude and we talked about living in his love and abiding his love by doing two things, by praying in the Holy Spirit and building yourself up in your most holy faith and all the different ways we can do that. Well, if you were here a couple of weeks ago when we spoke, Dick said he had a 30-minute word and he shared just a few minutes of it about meditation. And today's going to be kind of part three in this installment of going deeper with the Lord. And uh, Dick's going to talk to us about uh, meditation here. So come up, brother, and I just want to pray for this. Lord, so we just ask that you would give us ears to hear your word today. I pray, Father, for us as a people, Lord, to know you better at the end of this year than we do now, individually and, and corporately. Just bless my brother, Lord. I, I pray his words come forth, Lord, like fire. And I pray that our hearts would be like kindling, Lord, and just burst into flames within us. I pray for distraction to be lifted. I pray for fresh ears. I pray for fresh eyes and open minds to receive what you have for us today. In the name of Jesus. I just uh, really feel led to start by telling you guys how much Tamsil and I love you. This is a safe place. We can come here we don't have to hide behind facades. There's no judgment. We care for each other. We love for each. We love each other. And um, I'll tell you, church, because He's glorious, and He is in us. You are glorious. What a blessing! What a blessing! So, from the beginning of man's existence, the question, questions have been, who are we? How did we get here? What are we supposed to be doing? Men have studied this 
from the beginning of time. Plato, all those guys, smart, smart people. Herein lies the truth. And God tells us the first chapter of the first book. He answers those three questions. Dina, can you go ahead and put that first scripture up? God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Think about that. The image of God. That's who we are. Let them have dominion over fish of the sea, over birds of the heavens, over livestock, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He blessed them and he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And it was very good. In the Hebrew, it's tov meod, very good. Church were created in his image to walk with him. We see it. In the second chapter of Genesis where it, it refers to God showing up in the cool of the afternoon, walking with Adam, sharing communion with him, just being with him. God wants to be with us. And here's the other thing. If we're made in his image... And we're his sons and his daughters, and he's the king, then that makes us princes and princesses. And we are rulers. That's who we are. And everything was perfect in the first chapter of Genesis, but then in the second chapter of Genesis, things go off track. And man falls. And the rest of this book is about God coming after us. You've heard me say this before. This book is about God pursuing man. It's a profound story. And so we know before Jesus came, there were uh, all of these Old Testament laws. God, God sets up this system of sacrifice and laws and these things that we have to do in order to be righteous, in order to come into his presence and walk with him. And in Matthew 22, do you have that scripture, Dina? Matthew 22 says this, verse 34, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, 
He's an expert in the law. He asks a question. He tests him. He says this, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? There are over 600 rules they have to follow. And he says, which one's the greatest? And here's what Jesus says. He quotes Deuteronomy 6. says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Listen to this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. This is the greatest commandment. God pursues us, and he is asking us in return to pursue him. God is looking for a single-minded people who will come after him only, him and him alone. And I'll tell you this, if we will do that in the spirit realm, even now, Eden is restored, and we can walk with him in the cool of the afternoon. We can do that now. I want to talk about meditation and hopefully clear up some misconceptions. I had a lot of misconceptions for a long time about meditation. Um, that word meditate in the Hebrew, there's, there's two different words that they use. Um, one of the words is hagah, and it means to induce thought. It also means to separate or take away. Think about that in the, con- in the context of meditation. It also means to speculate. There's another word that they use. It's siak, and it means to speak. So there's scriptural precedents, a lot of scriptural precedents for this idea of meditation. Uh, and I want to just pull a couple of these scriptures out just <clears throat> as examples. So Genesis 24. So this is the story of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Rebecca. Abraham, you'll recall, he sends his servant out to go find a wife for Isaac. He used to do it different than we do now. Um, and so his servant is, is bringing Rebecca back. He's found Rebecca. He's bringing, bringing her back. And here's what it says in verse 62. Now Isaac had returned from, I'm not sure how to say this, Anywhere he was, anyway, he was dwelling in the Negev. He was dwelling in the desert. Said, and listen to this. Isaac went out to meditate. He did it in the field towards the evening. He lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, camels were coming. He sees Rebekah. So the question is, why is this here? Why? I don't need to know that Isaac was out in the field meditating. Why is that here? The rabbis tell us that every single word in Scripture is there on purpose. And part of our 
responsibility is to figure out why those words are there. And that's what rabbis did, is they would pick one word and they would study it and study it and study it. And they wrote volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes. It's the jot and tittles that Jesus talked about. It kind of frustrated him. He said, you only look at the words, you aren't looking at me. But nevertheless, anything we see in Scripture, it's there for a reason. And so, you know, it it raises the question, why does that tell me Isaac went out to meditate and, and I'm sure for a, a Jewish person it, it probably has a different meaning than what it means to me but when I look at this it tells me that the patriarchs they knew how to meditate and they did it Isaac was out in a field in the evening and he was interacting with his God so it's an example to us course David you know we're all familiar with the Psalms and I mean it's just seems like every other Psalm you see that word meditate and uh, Psalm 1 David says this blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners he doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the Lord on his law he meditates day and night There is scriptural precedence for this thing called meditation. And meditation involves being still, involves being quiet. And uh, I love this story. I hadn't read this in quite some time, but but, uh, talking about this kind of brought this up. 1 Kings 19. Uh, This is a story about Elijah, and we all remember this story Elijah has just had success over the prophets of Baal and he's put them all to the sword and Jezebel is furious and she's coming after him and then Elijah runs he just killed all these prophets and now he runs from from this woman Uh, so in 1st Kings 19 um, and I'm going to start actually at verse 11 um, He says, go out, this is God speaking to Elijah. He says, go out, stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and with a strong wind tore through the mountains. He broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Listen to this. But the Lord, he wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. The Lord was not in an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire but the Lord was not in the fire. We see these mighty, powerful, natural events, and you would think, God's got to be here. He's not. And after the fire, there was the sound of a low whisper. And Elijah heard it. God speaks in stillness. And then, of course, Psalm 46.10, I, think I shared this with you uh, a few weeks ago. It says, be still. Remember, still, that word rafa means sink, relax, cease striving. God says, cease striving, relax. 
and know that I am God. That word know is yada. And it means have knowledge of or be familiar with. Learn. It means understand. God is saying if you'll be still, if you'll quiet yourself, you can have knowledge of me. You can be familiar with me. You can understand me. Jesus was pretty good at this. Yeah. So in Matthew 1, Jesus is uh, he's getting ready to start his ministry. Now you think about this. In our world, when we're starting some big thing, a big business, boy, we announce it, we put in ads. It's, it's a big flourish. What does Jesus do? It says Jesus goes into the wilderness. He's to be tempted by the devil and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. So to initiate this huge big thing, the coming of God to man, he goes into the wilderness by himself to be with his father. Another example of Jesus in Matthew 14. This is, this is after the feeding of the 5,000. This is a big deal. That's a lot of people, 5,000 men. There were probably ten or 15,000, including the women and all the kids that were there. So he feeds all these people with little or nothing. This should be a big deal, and it should be a time of celebration should be a time of revelry. But listen, listen to what Jesus does. Verse 22, he may, first of all, he makes the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. He says, you guys leave. Disciples get in the boat and they leave. He dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, what's he do? He goes up in the mountain by himself to pray. When the evening came, he was there alone. Mark 1, verse 32. Again, Jesus, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. Listen to this. The whole city was there. The whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons. He would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Surely this should be a time of exaltation for Jesus. Look who I am. I am your God. I've come to rescue you. What does he do? Rising very early the next morning, it was still dark. He departs, he went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. That's our example. So I, I just felt prompted of the Lord just to just talk practically about this idea of meditation. And 
I will tell you, the first time I really kind of came across this and started looking at it was when I read uh, Richard Foster's book, Celebration of uh, Discipline. And of course, I'd seen it in scripture and just kind of skipped over it uh, for, for, for many, many years. And the first time I read Richard Foster's book and I came to that chapter on meditation, I thought this is weird and I didn't read it and I skipped it. <laughs> yeah. Um, a few years later, I reread the book and I thought maybe I should look at this. So um, I got to reading that. Even as I read it the first time, I thought this is just weird. <laughs> I, I don't get it. And you know, that's the thing. In our society, we don't get it. We're not raised with this idea of meditation. It's a natural thing for people in the Middle East. It's just part of their society. It's not part of who we are, and it's something we have to learn. Here's the thing, church. Most of you are already doing it. We just don't call it meditation. Meditation, all it, is, all it is, it's filling our minds with the thought, the image, and the presence of our Holy Father. It's not some high, lofty, mystical thing that we have to work at to attain. And it's not hard. It requires some discipline. But other than that, it's not hard. And I'll tell you, I think Paul tells us to meditate as well. Romans 12. He says this, verse 1, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay, and here it is. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And I think Paul is challenging us to this thing of meditation. He's calling us to this personal, one-on-one, -on -one, intimate relationship with our Holy Father. So, just from a practical standpoint, what does it look like? And first of all, I will tell you, it's different for all of us. And that's okay. It's, uh, it should be different. God calls us, our, our walks are different for all of us. Um, I'll just share some of my experiences with it. Um... First of all, I, I think it, we need to make it a habit. We need to pick a time of day or a time of the week when we're going to do this. And this is just our appointed time. You don't have to, but you're more likely to do it if you make a schedule. Especially in our crazy lives. We have to be quiet. We see that in scripture. We have to be still. So, turn off the computer. 
Put your phone on silent. Um, for me, I turn down the lights. Pretty quiet. It's not completely pitch black, but it's pretty dark. There are just less distractions if I do that. And in the morning when I do it, I do it in my office. And uh, any paperwork that I have on my desk, I move it away. Because if I'm sitting there meditating and there's a bill sitting there, I'm going to start thinking about that bill. And it's going to be a distraction. So we need to remove distractions. The things that are going to take our mind away from what we're supposed to be doing. And then we need to prepare for it. It's not something where we just sit down, okay, I'm meditating. That won't work. At least it doesn't work for me. I've tried it and I fail. So I will, and I told you before, I do it in the morning. Um, so I began by listening to some worship music, just, you know, five, ten minutes, whatever, just to kind of move myself into that position where I'm getting ready to commune with God. I may read some scripture. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I read devotional things. It, it's just kind of the leading of the Spirit. And then in the quiet, in the stillness, then I move into that place of meditation. So what do you do when you meditate? Again, different things. And it kind of depends on the day. The first thing I do is I'm just quiet. Because sometimes when you sit down, you get quiet. God immediately has something he wants to tell you. And we need to be listening for that voice. Um, and then I begin by praising him after that. You know, there's a million things we can praise him for. And, you know, praise just brings us into the presence of God. It makes us realize how good he is. He is a good father. And then honestly, for me, it's just led by the Spirit. Sometimes he'll bring people to mind, situations to mind, and I will pray for those things. Sometimes I'm just quiet and he'll talk to me. Here's what I think. Here's what you need to do. And it, it, it becomes a very two-way conversation led by the Holy Spirit. What happens if your mind wanders? Well, it will. I guarantee you it will. I think we probably all experience that. You know? It, <laughs> we're, just, we're fallen men. And just our minds wander. And it's... If they do, we just, when we realize our minds have wandered, we just slide back in to recognition of this presence of the Holy Father. What if you fall asleep? You know, I, I do this first thing in the morning, so sometimes I'm a little foggy. And uh, sometimes I'm tired, and there are occasions I fall asleep. Let me suggest this. What better place to sleep than in your father's arms? You know, if you fall asleep, <clears throat> when you wake up again, you just resume where you left off. And just figure you've slept in your father's arms. It's a sweet place to be.
the evenings, I sometimes meditate as well. It, it's different in the evening. In the evenings, I go out and walk in Tamsel's Flower Garden. Um, and that's, uh, boy, you talk about feeling like you're in Eden. Um, I do it in the dark. I don't do it during the day because I figure my neighbors will see me and think I'm weird. <laughs> Actually, I'm, they think that anyway. But, but, uh, but, but in the evening, I have found, you know, I will, I will go out in the, in the cool of the evening and just kind of walk up and down the trails in Tamsel's flower garden and just same thing, just commune with God. Sometimes I talk, sometimes he talks. But it's sweet. It's sweet. And it's coming face to face with my Heavenly Father. This is what we're called to do. And church, I will tell you, I'm not perfect at it. And again, what you do will look different than what I do. Sometimes I fail at Sometimes I miss a day. You know, and that's... You know, it's just, we sometimes we fail and, you know, you just get back up and you go on. So, don't think I'm perfect at this. I am not. Um, so anyway, that's just some of my insights into meditation. And, and I, I feel like I'm just a beginner. But I do know that God is calling us to be single-minded, to come after him. And this gift of being able to meditate, to commune with him, is one of the things that allows us into his presence and allows us to become this this single-minded people. So, we're going to meditate. We're going to practice this. It's going to feel kind of weird. We've done, I've had you guys do this before, but we're kind of weird anyway, and that's okay. Uh, so here's, here's what I, I just felt the Father prompting this, that we're going to be silent. We're just going to meditate here for about three to five minutes. And here's what's going to happen. You might hear something, you might not. If you don't, that's okay. Just rest in his presence. But he may prompt you to pray about something. He may speak words of knowledge to you. And here's the thing he's going to do. Some of you, he's going to speak to you and he's going to give you things that you want to share. He wants you to share with the body today. So after we meditate, I'm going to... I'm going to ask you, what do you hear the Father saying? And those of you that have words from the Father, from the body, I want you to share those because he's going to use those words to encourage us and to build us up as a body. So let's, um, yeah, this is, are you going to play for us? Perfect. So be quiet. Father, What an amazing thing. Father, that you dwell in us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we have the mind of Christ. It's just astounding. So Father, I pray today for your church. That Father, you would make us sensitive to the leading 
of your Holy Spirit, to your voice, Father. Speak now, Father, to your church.